Today, with our gospel lesson, we begin our series for Lent, looking at texts in Luke and Acts and asking, who is my neighbor? Professor Eric Barreto is teaching this text as we speak in adult education and small groups discussed and studied this text throughout this last week. Fittingly, the first lesson, the gospel lesson today, the first lesson for Lent comes from Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 25th verse, Luke 10 and 25. Hear the word of God. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to the man, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance... A priest was going down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near the man, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to the man, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. He never called him good. That was everyone else ever since. Jesus never called him good. In the parable, Jesus tells of a Samaritan who came near the man, saw him, and was moved with pity. Not good. Just a Samaritan traveler. In the Gospel of Luke... The words Samaritan and good 
are never paired together. In the previous chapter in Luke, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was heading out from Galilee and intentionally went out of his way to enter a village of the Samaritans. The Samaritans were not hospitable to the visit of Jesus and the disciples. And James and John wanted to, quote, command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. Jesus, of course, rebuked them, and they headed off to another village. The disciples wanted to wipe out the Samaritans. You will remember Luke's account of Jesus healing the ten people with leprosy. Only one of them turned back and fell at the feet of Jesus to thank him. Do you remember that it happened in the region between Samaria and Galilee? The man who turned back to thank Jesus was a Samaritan. Jesus didn't call him good either. Though the man had already been healed, Jesus said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. John's gospel includes the longest conversation Jesus had with any one person. It was the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. Late in that conversation, the disciples return and find Jesus talking to her John records they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. They didn't say anything, but John writes that they were thinking, why are you speaking to her? Presumably because she was a woman and she was a Samaritan. Many Samaritans from the city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony but Jesus didn't call her good either. Jesus never called the traveling Samaritan good. That was everyone else ever since. As I mentioned, small group started this week and my group on Wednesday morning had such a good conversation, helpful for preachers too. One person in the group noted that when the lawyer was asked by Jesus which of the three was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber, the lawyer couldn't even bring himself to say it, that he was, the, that he was a Samaritan, that it was the Samaritan. No, all the lawyer could muster was the one who showed him mercy, the one. When Jesus finished the parable, everyone and their uncle knew the answer. It wasn't the Levite. Come on, say it. It wasn't the priest. You can say it. It was the Samaritan. Jesus could have said, um, which one? But the parable is shocking enough. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Shocking and timelessly relevant when it comes to the human condition and part of what makes the parable so lasting and powerful in the world we live in today is not that the Samaritan was good. It was that he was a Samaritan. 
Several years ago, Imam Shibli from the Islamic Center of New Jersey out on Route 1, Rabbi Feldman from the Jewish Center of Princeton and I, together we did a three-night gig. Each night was at one of our respective houses of worship. Some of you might remember our intent was to show our collegiality and respect for one another and for each of us to give an example of how we interpret our sacred texts. I chose this parable of the man in the ditch. I won't ever forget that after we finished at the Jewish Center, several members of the synagogue came up to me one by one, one after the other, not a few, several. And they told me they grew up thinking this parable is an example of the anti-Semitism of the New Testament and of Christians and of the Christian church. And it was all because of how the priest and the Levite were portrayed by Jesus as walking by and failing to show mercy to the man in the ditch. One or two mentioned that they never heard that the man who had been robbed was Jewish, which I had argued that while Jesus doesn't say it would assume, it, it could be assumed that one traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho was Jewish. But notice, Jesus never called the Samaritan good, and never criticized, said a negative thing, or called the priest or the Levite bad. As another person said, on Wednesday morning last, can't we find something good to say about the priest and the Levite? Jesus never called him good, and he never called them bad. Maybe that's because at the end of the day, the parable isn't about being good. The wonder and the power of the parables is that they cannot be easily reduced to a moral Point. They are not simply morality tales with a takeaway about being good. Jesus didn't say, go and be good, or go and do good. Like a parent dropping off for a child, a young child for a friend's birthday, be good. Or dropping an older child off to a practice or a rehearsal or an SAT test, do good. Jesus asked who was a neighbor. The lawyer is the one who brought up mercy. Jesus might as well have said, go and be. Go and live. Go and neighbor. If the takeaway from the parable here is about being good, you and I are in deep trouble. Because we are not good enough. We aren't ever good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. And compared to the priest and the Levite, we're not holy enough and probably not smart enough either. If this parable about the traveling Samaritan who acted as a neighbor to, to the beat-up man in the ditch left for dead is about being good, if that's the standard of assessment when it comes to faithfulness, the instruction manual for how to live and work and stop and care and help and give, I'll only speak for myself, but I'm failing miserably. And I'm the one who walks down Nassau Street as the religious professional like the priest and the Levite. 
A long time ago, I was in the church office in South Jersey, all by myself. Solo pastors are often in the building by themselves. The doorbell rang, and as I went to the door, I could see a man outside whose clothes were very tattered. He was clearly worn down from life, life on the street. I was smart enough not to invite him into the building. It wasn't cold outside, so we stood in the parking lot, and he started telling me a long, 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 long story that was hard to follow. At one point, I was able to interrupt him, and I asked him in a very straightforward way, what can I do for you? And I was expecting him to ask for money, for food, a bus ticket, or a hot meal, or a place to stay. I could have helped with some of those things, but not all. And in a manner different from the rambling story, he looked me right in the eye and he said, can I have a ride to Camden? Now, Camden was about a 15-minute ride from the church. And maybe I was caught off guard and dumbfounded by the request. But a few minutes later, I was driving up the Atlantic City Expressway on the way to the bus station in Camden with the gentleman in the passenger seat next to me. And it didn't take long on that trip for me to think of my family. Kathy, Hannah and Ben, who were very young at the time. And that's when I said to myself, Self, this might be the stupidest thing you've ever done in ministry. And I sort of think Jesus would agree with me. Going and doing likewise, it's not as easy. It's not as easy to figure out what it means. And the Christian life has never been as easy as what would Jesus do? To go and do likewise is not an exhortation to be good or to do good. It is the call of Christ to live and be and to work toward a world defined by compassion, mercy, kindness, and love. To go and do likewise is the expectation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that boundary walls will be tumbled down and hateful stereotypes of all kinds should be crushed and that everyone, everyone should be treated as a child of God. To go and do likewise is confirmation for the followers of Jesus that righteousness starts with a trickle of unexpected action. And the liberation from all the world ingrains us ingrains in us about those who are different from us and from we. To go and do likewise is, the le is less an invitation to do what Jesus would do and more of an invitation to see the world and the people in it as Jesus did. The first step to going and doing likewise 
is to find yourself, to know yourself, on the receiving end of God's compassion, mercy, kindness, and love. To know with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, that this saving grace of Jesus Christ is as unexpected and undeserved and upending and life-transforming as being on the receiving end of the loving, not anticipated, surprising care of a neighbor. And there's no better way to remember that and experience it afresh than to hear the words, this is my body broken for you. This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It is for you. He never called him good. That was everyone else ever since. Jesus never called the Samaritan good, not at the end, not in the middle, not at the beginning of the parable of the man in the ditch. And maybe that's because when it comes to your life of faith and mine, the parable actually begins with us in the ditch.